Will you join me in prayer, please? Father, we want to say thank you for the love that you have poured out upon us. The love that you have poured out through Jesus the Christ. There are a lot of times in our lives where we wonder if we are loved, if people care about us, if people are thinking of us. We wonder if there's anyone who, anyone who worries about us. Is there, is there anybody who would miss us if we were gone? And through all the questions that we have about the fickle love that's in this world, there is one certainty that we find in you. And we are reminded of it as we think about the coming of Jesus. We're reminded how that we have a God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Father, we believe in that gift. We believe in that son. And because of that, we have life. And because of that, we have a light for the darkness that's in our world. So Father, we say thank you today. Through all the songs that we have been singing, we say thank you. Through the prayers that we have offered, we say thank you. In the taking of bread and cup, we say thank you. And in the giving of our money, we say thank you. All that we do, all that we are, thanks you for the love that you displayed so long ago and continue to display even today in our lives. As we think about that gift, as we think about the coming of your son today, may we be filled again with the certainty. We will be filled with the assurance that we are loved people, that we are blessed. For Father, we have seen the light of the world. So in the name of that light that we pray, amen. We are so glad that you have come to join us today here at East Brainerd. I know that for many of you, you are traveling because of the holiday season and you have come in to be with, with family and I appreciate how that so many of you have, have donned your festive sweaters today that are glistening. I appreciate the way that our, so many of our kids are in their uh, pajamas today and it's always a special time whenever we come to the Sunday that's right before Christmas as we come together to, to worship and to give thanks. If you haven't been with us over the last few weeks here, all December we've been talking about the light of the world but we've also been talking about the darkness that's in the world. You know, darkness is probably defined best as the, the absence of light. And it's not necessarily something only that you see, it's also something that you feel. I mean, when the darkness is so dark that you can't even see your hands in front of your face, well, that's when it truly becomes, I think, real to us. In Scripture, darkness is spoken of some 200 times. And it's used by those writers to describe what life is without God. When you... Live without his love. Scripture says it's dark. 
When you refuse to follow his directions, you, you walk in darkness. When you choose your foolishness over his wisdom, you find yourself oftentimes in dark places. And, and we, we understand this and we've ex experienced it together. And we've talked already this month on how that darkness seems to have always been there. It's been inside of you. You remember it that first time that you lied to your parents because of the vase that you knocked over and broke, but you said it was because of, of your brother? You remember what that felt like. And you also understand how that it seems that darkness is just naturally progressive. That it seems that the darkness just grows and it grows and it gets darker and darker and it seems that it will eventually overtake all light. And I think that's why we've been coming this month. We've been coming this month because we understand what the darkness is about. And we've been coming to be reminded of the fact that God's answer to the darkness in our lives is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. It's the reason why so many people stop and, and think of Jesus at this time when maybe they, they do so little at other times in their life. It seems that the calendar just pauses and it focuses right in on the light that is there for the world because let's just be honest, there's a lot of darkness that's out there. You've experienced it. It's in your news feeds whenever you wake up. You, you've seen it firsthand in your own family. You know what it means in your own personal decisions and choices to go down roads that are, that are dark. And so it's a good time for us to teach and it's a good time for us to remember that into this dark world, God brought a light, the light of his son, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And so we come. And so you've come to be here today to say thank you. Thank you, God, for the love that you have shown in the light of the world. It's the reason that we celebrate. You know, normally, before I get up and have time to, to walk through scripture with you, we we ask that, um, encourage our kids to go off to kids' praise and we worship. It's an opportunity for them to go and to, to have a lesson that's kind of on their level and to be with um, some, some good friends and some great volunteers that we have here at, at East Brainerd. And they have a great time and they're taken off to class. But, but on this Sunday before Christmas, we do things a little differently. Uh, because I enjoy having some time with, with the kids. And I don't get a chance necessarily to, to share messages and share lessons with them. And so we like to pause and have that time here on, on opportunities like today. And so here's what I want. Uh, if you're part of our EB Kids and you normally go off to Kids Praise and We Worship, I would like for you to come and join Mr. Chris on stage, if you would. I want you to come and have a seat here up on stage. Just come, come quietly from wherever you're sitting. Hop up. Come on. Walk down and, and come have a seat. And we're going, to, um, we're going to talk a little bit together. And moms and dads, if you, need to, um, if you need to bring them on down, you can. Grandmas and grandpas, if you want to walk and, and come and have a seat with us, you can do so as well. You guys just come on up here and have a seat. Have a seat here on the stage with me, okay? Come on. Come on up. Man, you guys are sharp looking good. Go ahead, have a seat. I want everybody to see the great pajamas that you guys have on. Y'all look awesome. Now, I want to make sure all the moms and dads are able to, um, 
to see you guys, right? Because I know they like to take, to take pictures. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come and hang out here in front of you for just a minute, okay? Because I, I want you to be able to see something that I have. And I want to know if, if you know what this is. How, how many of you guys know what this is right here? You, you, you do? What, what is this? You plug it into the wall and it glows up. That is right. This is a you plug it into the wall and it glows up. I, um, I just happen to have one in my house today. And, and so I brought this with me. And I wanted to be able to bring it and show you because I thought some of you might know what it is. And some of you might have one in, in your house. Do any of you have one of these in, in your house? Have you seen this? Oh, you do. Awesome. And you've got one too? Great. Now, let, let me tell you why I have this in my house. I have this in my house because I am afraid of the dark. Okay? I, I have one in my house because I am afraid of the dark. And I'm afraid of the dark because I have gotten up before in the middle of the night in the dark and I have been walking through my house and I have stepped on things that should not be stepped on in the night. Moms and dads, can I get an amen? Amen. Yes. And so I have this in my house. And, and, and so to help me be able to get through and not step on Legos and, and not step on anything the dog might leave in the house. And, you know, I, I want to make sure that I can see where I am going. Now, anybody else ever been afraid of the dark before? Anybody ever been afraid of the dark? Now, I want us to do a little experiment together, okay? Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, just for a minute, not yet, when I tell you, I want you to close your eyes, all right, and I'm going to count backwards from five. So I'm going to go five, four, three, two, one. That's all you're going to have to have your eyes closed. And I want you to sit there just for five seconds, and I want you to have your eyes closed just like you were in the dark and you could not see anything, okay? So ready? Everybody get ready to close your eyes when I tell you to. Ready? And close them and listen to me count. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. All right, open your eyes. Now, somebody tell me, what could you see with your eyes closed? What did you see? Could you see anything with your eyes closed? You couldn't? Did anybody see the back of their eyelids? Could, could you see the back? You could? Yeah. Could you uh, see? Hey, did you guys know you can see the back of your eyelids with your eyes closed? No, you didn't know that? You need to try that. Go ahead and be trying it right now while I'm talking to the kids. Now, when you close your eyes, everything goes dark, right? But then when you open them up, all of a sudden all the light comes in and everything is, is bright and you're able to see again, right? Well, guess what? That's how the Bible likes to describe what life was like before and after Jesus came. The Bible describes the world as being dark and then... Jesus came and all of a sudden everybody's eyes were open and they could see something that they maybe had never seen before and they could see a light that they had never seen before. And ever since Jesus came, there have been people who have been putting up lights in their house in order to remind them how that Jesus gives light. Do you do that each Christmas? Have you seen people do that at Christmas time? All the lights that you put on the Christmas trees and, and all the lights that you see on houses. The reason that that got started is because people wanted to let others know, guess what? Jesus brings light. Jesus brings light to our lives. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to read you something that's in our Bibles. 
And I want to read it to you so that you can, I want you to listen to how the Bible describes Jesus coming into this world. Now, in order to be able to read this, I have to get out my handy-dandy glasses that are here in, the, in my jacket, right? Now, last year, you might remember that I used these glasses for the first time when I read to you. And as I've been using these glasses all year, all of a sudden, I've been having to, I've been having to use them more and more because it seems like my vision has gotten worse and worse. And so I asked an eye doctor, I said, what is going on? I explained, I said, I started using these glasses last year at Christmas when I read to the children. And now it seems like I have to use them more and more. And you know what the eye doctor told me? He looked at me and with a straight face said, oh, you know what that means? I said, what? He said, job security for me. <laughs> yes, you can thank Dr. Kaplan for that. Okay. So I'm going to put these glasses on. I want you to listen. This is how the Bible talks about Jesus, the light of the world. Listen closely. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the whole Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken since Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to take the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him, where'd she lay him? You remember? In a manger. That's right. Because there was no lodging available for them. Now listen to this. Listen to what takes place. That night there was shepherds staying in the fields nearby. They were guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the brightness of the Lord's glory surrounded them. So what's happening? What lit up the sky? Great light, right? So there is light. And they were afraid. But the angel said, do not be afraid because I bring you good news. That will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly there was joined by the angels a vast host, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the high heavens and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and see what's happened. And let's see what the Lord has told us. That's the way that the coming of Jesus is talked about in the Bible. That when Jesus came into the world, born as a baby, all of a sudden, all of the sky lit up and there was bright light and it blinded those shepherds and they didn't know what to do and they were afraid. But they were told, you don't have to worry because the light of the world is here. And you know, because of that, there's a song that we like to sing every once in a while. It's called Joy to the World. Have you guys ever heard that song, Joy to the World? Hey, moms and dads, have you ever heard the Joy to the World song? Have you guys? You have? Hey, let's all sing that song together, all right? Let's sing Joy to the World together. And, um, and, and, and we're going to do that because, why? Because there is light in the midst 
of our darkness. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And I told you that I've got one of these in my house to help me if I get up in the night so I can see where I'm going? Guess what this also helps me do? And I bet it's the same for you. Because I've got one of these in my house, I get to sleep. And I'm not worried because I'm not afraid of the dark. Because there is a light. And so when there's light, we don't have to be afraid of the dark. And that's what the Bible tries to tell us. That because of Jesus, we do not have to be afraid. And so there's one more song that I want us to sing. And it's a song about being able to sleep in heavenly peace. Do you know the song Silent Night? Yeah. Do you know? You know that song? All right. I, I learned about angels. I'm so glad. I want to see if they know it too, okay? Do you guys know the song Silent Night? All right. Now here's what I want. I want all of you big people out here to stay quiet just a minute, okay? I want you to stay quiet just a minute. And I want you to listen as you guys sing with me, okay? You ready? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round young virgin, mother and child, holy so tender and mild sleep in heavenly peace sleep in heavenly why don't you join us silent ever are afraid of the dark and if you don't have one of those things that you plug into the wall and it glows then what I want you to do is remember the songs that we sang here today I want you to remember silent night and I want you to remember joy to the world because you can sing those songs and it will remind you that you don't have to be afraid of the dark that there is a light that has come into this world that is brighter than any light that you have ever seen. And it is a reminder that you are never going to be alone. I appreciate so much that you guys came to hang out with me. And I'm so glad that you wore such great 
dresses and coats and pajamas. You guys look so awesome. And so I'll make sure everybody has a candy cane. There we go. There you are. And once you get your candy cane, if you want to, why don't you walk on back to mom and dad, nice and quiet. And I appreciate you guys coming and spending some time with Mr. Chris today. All right, you ready? Can I help you down? There we go. There we go. All right. Let's see, this way, right here. Here we go. There we go. And don't worry, moms and dads, we've got candy canes for you, too, when everything, when everything is done. Hey, open up your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John. I want you to find that. I read to the children from Luke chapter 2. But I want you to, to see and I want you to hear how the coming of the light was described by John. John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and, and his life, that life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Man, that is good news. That is great news. Because some of you, some of us, have lost ourselves in the darkness. I know, we thought we could control it, and at least in certain areas of our lives, we have, but then in others, it's just been like that dimmer switch. It just keeps getting darker and darker and darker. And then we discover that the darkness sometimes takes us further than we really ever intended to go. Until finally we look around and we're like, I don't know if I know how to get back or not. I don't know if I can return to where I used to be. Rebecca Sonnet is the author of a book that's called A Field Guide to Getting Lost. I love that title. A Field Guide to Getting Lost. And she writes about her friend Sally, who worked for a search and rescue group in Colorado in the Rockies. And Sally describes a time when there was an 11-year-old boy who became lost in the mountains. He was deaf. He was also losing eyesight. And he was part of a group of children that had gone with some counselors to camp together. And their counselors had led them in a game of hide-and-seek. And apparently this boy hid way too well. No one could find him. And darkness fell, and he was alone, and he was lost. Once he realized that he was lost, he sought shelter, began blowing the rescue whistle that he had been given, but, well, unfortunately, the sound of a nearby waterfall that he himself could not hear actually drowned out the sound of the rescue whistle. But he stayed in that one place, and he kept blowing. The next morning, Sally and her crew found him, and she... She later told Solnit for her book, she said, children are good at getting lost. Luckily, because the key in survival is knowing you're lost, children don't stray far. They curl up in some sheltered place at night, knowing that they need help. 
We adults, on the other hand, we aren't as quick to acknowledge that we get lost, and we definitely don't want to acknowledge that we need any help. If you, if you don't believe me, just watch some of the dads this Christmas. You'll understand. We don't ask for help, and no, we don't read directions, and why do they put those pieces of paper in the boxes anyway? We don't know. But there comes a time, normally, and sometimes it's only once we've hit the very bottom, where we finally realize a fundamental reality. Everybody needs help. I need help. You need help. We recognize that we can't do what's being asked of us. We can't, we can't untangle all the knots. We, we can't just work our way through the problem. We can't just overcome the obstacle that's facing us. And it's in that moment when we, when we curl up and we start blowing on our own rescue whistle that the gospel of Christmas becomes the clearest. Because Christmas declares that we worship a Savior who knows exactly what helplessness is like. When you're lost and you're, you're trying to find your way out and you can't. When, when, when you're wondering, how did I get myself in this situation? And, and how am I going to talk to my kids about this? And, and what am I going to say to my spouse? And, and how do I explain this to my boss? And, and what's everybody at church going to say? Christmas declares that we worship a Savior who knows what it's like to experience that helpless feeling. We've already heard it. Luke chapter 2, verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. In his book, Customs of Bible Lands, Fred Wright, well, he wrote, For years, the people of Bible Lands have, carry, have cared for an infant child, much as it was done for Jesus when he was born. Instead of allowing the young baby the free use of its limbs, it's bound hand and foot by swaddling bands, and thus made into a helpless bundle, much like a mummy. At birth, the child is washed and rubbed with salt, and then with its legs together and its arms at its side, it is wound around tightly with linen or cotton bandages, four to five inches wide and five to six yards long. Another author said, Nothing could signal more clearly the helpless state of a newborn human more than being wrapped tightly in such a way. Jesus couldn't provide a thing for himself. He was wholly dependent upon others. And he said, well, why does God go to such an extreme? Well, why not God just come and, and all of a sudden he's a grown man and, and he's going to be teaching and he's going to be healing. Why go to such an extreme? And it's a natural question. I think the chief reason is this. He wants you to know that he gets you. He knows what it feels like when you feel helpless. He, he knows what it feels like when, when, when you don't know what to do. He, he knows what it feels like when you, you have to have others who, who have to pick you up. He knows what it feels like when you have to have others who, who get you dressed and, and have to fiddle with those buttons on your shirt. He knows what it feels like when you have to have others clean up after you. He knows what it feels like when, when you want to do something for yourself, but you can't. He knows what it, what it feels like when, when you feel as if you were all alone and you don't know which way to go. And in a world that's filled with helpless people, this becomes wonderful news. 
You see, our message is not that we have a Savior who is so powerful that he's never known powerlessness. No, our message is that when you find yourself facing foes so large that you don't even know what to do, Jesus knows how you feel. When you can't seem to lift one finger to fend for yourself, Jesus knows how you feel because he's not out of touch with your reality. Instead, he's been through weakness and testing. Instead, he's experienced it all, all but the sin. I like the way the message paraphrase puts Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. After explaining how that, that Jesus knows our reality and knows where we have been and what we experience, the paraphrase says, so let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. If only it were that simple, right? If only it were that simple to just accept the help. But you know that before we can accept help, we must ask for help. And let's just be honest, at times that seems even more impossible than a virgin birth. After all, some of us wouldn't even know where to start. Where do you start when, when you feel lonely? Where do you start when you feel abandoned? Where do you start when, when you feel as if you've messed everything up? Where do you start when it seems like the, the years just keep rolling quite on by and you can't put a finger on the calendar to stop it? Where, where do you start when you realize that you need help? Why not start here? Yeah, I mean, why not start here? In this place with, with these people. You see, the nativity challenges the church to be a community where it's okay to say, I need help. I need help. I need help. I need swaddling. I don't have it all together. I'm cold and I need warmth. The church becomes good news when it is transformed from, from just another place for those who have it all together to the one place for that couple who's falling apart. When it becomes the one place for that couple that's struggling with their marriage, when it becomes that one place for the dad that just can't seem to get through to his son, when it becomes the one place for the daughter that, that wishes somehow mom would listen. Why not start here? Rachel Held Evans wrote in her book, Searching for Sunday. She said, I, I get a lot of emails from people who fit right into church until, until the divorce, until the diagnosis, until the miscarriage, the depression. And what they find is when they bring their pain or their doubt or their uncomfortable truth to church, someone immediately grabs it out of their hands and tries to fix it and tries to make it go away. Convinced the gospel is a product we've got to sell to an increasingly shrinking market, we like our people to function as walking advertisements. Happy. And all put together. Finished. Proof that this Jesus stuff actually works. She says... But the world is watching. That's what Christians like to say. So let's be on our best behavior and quickly hide the mess. Let's throw up some before and after shots and roll that flashy footage of the miracle product that just covers up every single sign of dirt, hiding every sign of disease. She says, but if the church 
or, but if the world is watching, then church, we might as well tell the truth. And the truth is, the church doesn't offer a cure. It doesn't offer a quick fix. The church offers the messy, inconvenient, gut-wrenching, never-ending work of healing and reconciliation. The church, she says, offers grace. And anything else that we try to peddle is snake oil. Friends, Jesus embraced helplessness so that the church would embrace the helpless. Our spiritual community is not for people who are perfectly put together. It's for people who are falling apart. It's for those who are helpless. It's for those who are lonely. It's, it's for those who don't know what to do. It's the one community where people can show up and say, you know what, I'm not fine. I'm not doing all right. And I don't know what to do about it. And instead of shushing them or trying to fix them as, as fast as possible, well, the church swaddles them. And the church wraps them with love and compassion. And the church holds them until the fear and the crisis pass. Why not start here? You see, we all know what it's like to be lost in the darkness. As children, we shelter in place and we, and we call out for help. But as adults, we determine to find our own way out. But perhaps, just perhaps, maybe this Christmas, maybe this moment, is the time where you finally come to terms with your own limitations and helplessness. You finally realize one fundamental reality. You need help. You recognize that you can't, you just can't do all that's being asked of you. You can't untangle all the knots. You can't overcome the obstacle. You cannot see where you are going because it's gotten too dark. I don't know. Maybe it's time for you to blow your rescue whistle and call out to the light of the world. Gets your attention, doesn't it? Some of you had no idea the lesson was still going. It's time to blow the rescue whistle and it's time to say, you know what, I'm lonely and I don't know what to do. And, and I, I don't know how to overcome the obstacle that I'm facing. And I'm tired of the burdens. And you just keep blowing and... You keep it going over and over, and you say, that's so shrill, and it, and it hurts my ears. And it, but it gets your attention, doesn't it? It gets your attention, and it lets you know that something is wrong, and it lets you know that something, somebody wants you to pay attention. And maybe that's exactly what you need to do this morning. Maybe what you need to do is, maybe you need to come before this church family, and you need to blow your whistle, and you need to say, I need help because I am lost in darkness. I need help with my sin. I need help with my suffering. I need help with my pain. I need help with my loneliness. I need help with my despair. I need help with my family. I need help with my finances. I, I need help with my, with my health. I, I need help with my attitude. I need help with my forgiveness. I need, I don't know, what is it you need help with? Maybe it's time. 
Maybe it's time this morning that instead of trying to figure it all out and do it all yourself, maybe it's just time that you huddle down right here, right now. God help me. That is why light came into the world. Don't walk out into darkness. Instead, come to the light as together we stand and sing. <laughs>